Hello, this is the Sensitive Matters Podcast, a podcast bringing empaths, perceptive people, creatives, unique projects, and sensitive matters into the spotlight. Join us for meaningful conversations that inspire and have the power to gently create awareness around sensitive and important matters such as mental health, conscious consumerism, sexuality, spirituality, ethical business, and much more. I am Christina Zipperlin, founder of the ethical jewelry brand Ananda Soul. I'm a highly sensitive human who values community, creative and spiritual exploration, and ways to make a positive impact. I'm also a psychology student and mental health and LGBTQIA advocate. We're tuning in from the magical island of Bali, where I've lived for over 12 years and is the home of my jewelry company that strengthens and gives back to the local community. Thank you for joining us for these conversations as we, together, explore sensitive matters. And now, enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. This podcast is brought to you and made possible by Ananda Soul Jewelry. I created Ananda Soul in Bali over 12 years ago to offer heartfelt, intentional jewelry that works with the community I grew to know and love on the island that has become my home. Ananda brings creativity, respect for Balinese ritual, and a wish to give back to the local community to everything we do. To learn more about our story, ethics, and to receive $15 of your first order when you sign up for a newsletter, head over to anandasoul.com. We are so excited to welcome a very special guest to the podcast today, someone whose work I've admired and been inspired by for many years. She's a mother, teacher, artist, author of The Art of Attention, Practice You and Being You, and host of the Practice You podcast. Elena Brower, welcome to Sensitive Matters. Oh, thank you so much, sister. Really nice to be here and nice to be back in contact after quite some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before we dive in, let's just take a quick moment to drop into our bodies and connect with whatever it is that wants to come through here today. So taking a deep breath and if you feel comfortable and you are in a space where it is safe to do so, you're welcome to close your eyes and just observing the breath, how it enters your body, becoming still and noticing what is here. Trusting what is here. Becoming aware of the surface underneath you, of your sit bones, if you are sitting in your thighs, and how the weight is dropping down into the earth, into the support, 
Really becoming aware of the support that is always there. And gently scanning the system of anything that strengthens that sensation of support right now. That might be my voice. That might be a certain sensation, a thought. And then taking another deep breath into wherever it feels good right now. Exhale. And if your eyes were closed, gently coming back into the space and opening your eyes. You're welcome to join me in this space. <laughs> I'd love to begin by jumping straight in and asking what in life lights you up right now? And where your focus is. Hmm. Thank you. Um, at the moment, I have just, we're like 99.9% .9 of the way to securing uh, Andrews McMeal as my publisher for my first book of poetry, which is lighting me up in such a serious way. Uh, I've been writing poems since I was a very little girl, and many of the poems that are in here were started when I was very small and then edited over the years and have now become what they are. Um, so that's lighting me up. I have a parenting course that I'm completing recording actually after we're done with this podcast. And that is also lighting me up. Now I have 16 years of experience and I have <laughs> a great person on my hands and I can see very clearly, I think because of our practice of meditation, yoga too, but meditation really, I can see very clearly what went into this cake, you know, this ba the baking of this mm -hmm. cake that is my son mm -hmm. who's now 16. And uh, I, have, I have a lot to offer in that realm. So I'm, I'm very lit up about that. I'm also painting and I have my first um, official art show in October of this year here in Santa Fe. Wow. Yeah. Oh. I feel mm. a lot of just life force coming through, through creation. Totally. Inspiring even to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Hearing these, these um, big pieces of work coming through, um, I've been following you for years and I know there's already a huge body of work and we don't have the time to like hear your complete story, but I, I just, for also anybody who's new to you, love to hear a little bit about how you feel you came to where you are today and to this body of work that you that you share with the world today. Mm, thank you. I I think actually this has always been here. And I think the rest of it and all the things that I love to do, I love to run my business. I love using that part of my brain. I love taking care of people, teaching yoga a couple times a week. But I think all of this creativity was always there. And I'm only just now feeling it because of where I am. I had to move context <laughs> in order to see uh, what what kind of needed to come through, I guess. Um, now I am with the trees all the time. I have very little inputs in terms of like 
uh, ambient noise, ambient light. It's very different and uh, much quieter. So there's lots of latent uh, intentionality and ideas coming through that I just hadn't really had access to before, but they've always mm -hmm. been here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you were speaking about the creativity piece of almost just stepping aside, um, and there's a there's a softness when I listen to that. It's always been there, and now I've created the conditions to actually allow it to come through. Or you've been doing that for many years, and I also know that compassion, especially self compassion, are a huge component of your work, and that in essence, feels quite similar because it has that, that softening and that almost stepping away of, of daring to do that. And I was wondering if you could share some practices or rituals we can all do when life feels challenging. Thank you. Um, I think self-compassion, now having studied with Judith Lassiter at length privately and also um, hosting her teaching of nonviolent communication, which I hope we'll get to do again. Uh, Self-compassion needs to be the default setting for all of us right now. We have absolutely no idea what is happening next. Everything is constantly in flux. Um, in some ways, we're not, we, we don't have the capacity to keep ourselves safe and secure. There are things that we can't do at this point in time. If you're listening to this To really accept that is something that we all have to learn. And if you have the capacity and the practice to, you know, maybe it involves putting your hand on your heart, but maybe it just involves closing your eyes and recognizing the sadness in your body or recognizing the fear in your body and saying post-recognition, as Judith Lasseter suggests, how human of me to feel this way at this time and to feel that wash over your body like a blanket, like a, like a cleansing rain. And to remember that there is not a whole lot that we can do right now, but we can design our interior state. And that to me, that's what self-compassion is all about. It's really self-empathy first. And that sort of blossoms into compassion, but compassion I don't know that it needs to have a subject. I think compassion is kind of also a state that you carry. It doesn't need to be directed at anything necessarily. It doesn't need to be focused on one event or body of uh, people. It can be just a way that you are. And when you are that way, it comes across and and it's it's very calming. It's very subtle. And when people come into contact with that, they feel comforted and safer. And I know that I feel safer in my own body when I'm, when I'm putting my attention there. Yeah. 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 I'm sitting here nodding. Like, it's like almost like a sweet rocking that, that comes just dropping mm. into that simply by, mm -hmm. <clears throat> by voicing it, voicing yeah. that word. Exactly. You're a world-renowned yoga and meditation teacher, and you've been teaching many, many years since 1999. Also speaking about this security piece that you just spoke to and these 
rather rapid shifts that are now happening in the world. How has your personal yoga and meditation practice evolved? Thank you for that question. That's a good one. Um, mostly, I now really relish my practice, my, own, my, my solo practice time. I still have a notebook in front of me because <laughs> I'm still teaching twice a week. So I'm always taking little notes. Um, but the enjoyment has deepened and slowed considerably. It's no longer like, okay, I'm going to get through 15 minutes. I'm going to rock this out. Navel to spine, strong, strong, gone. Now it's more, you know, uh, a subtle endeavor with paying attention to the littlest adjustments that I can offer to folks virtually, which is, you know, requires a certain level of skill in communication because you're not there with the person. How do I say this? How do I put my, you know, students' attention on this part of their body in a way that um, doesn't need to be repeated five times but is communicated well? over the airwaves, things like that. Um, I really appreciate the challenge of that. And I enjoy thoroughly uh, the way that I, I sparkle after my practice in a different way than I do after weights or something like that, which I also do um, and are very important, especially for women as we age. Um, but the practice has, a, has deepened considerably. You've been part of the yoga industry for several decades now, and that gives you a very unique perspective on, on that industry, yeah. the world of yoga, spirituality, wellness. And I'm curious if you feel comfortable sharing. What do you feel it could need more of? What do you feel there might have been shifts in the right direction? Mm -hmm. um, and what do you feel with narratives might be oversaturated and tired. Well, I don't I, I don't know that I have the right to really say mm -hmm. what is good or bad. You know, I think one thing nonviolent communication has taught me is there's no real good or bad. You know, there are there's what is and there's how we're gonna work with it. And I think in the in this world, for sure, there was a whole bunch of money to be made. So people uh capitalized on it in many different ways. I, for one, I really have enjoyed, uh, you know, teaching and earning pretty good money. Yoga was never going to be my main source of income ever. I have other businesses and I really enjoy that using that part of my brain, as I said. But I think for the go forward, I think it's really important for yoga teachers to realize that this, <clears throat> sadly, I don't think in our lifetimes we'll ever be respected enough to earn a yoga teacher who spent, you know, several years studying, many thousands of dollars studying. I don't think this this lifetime is ever going to show us proper compensation. I held out hope for a long time, but I don't think it's happening. I do want all the yoga teachers in the world to have other sources of income. And I do feel that if you're listening and you're a yoga teacher and you're struggling in this way, you're perfectly poised to, to teach on what it is that you have done to uphold your income and your inspiration at this time. 
you know, I know that yoga isn't your main source of income. I know it's not going to help you support your family in a substantive way, but it will help a little bit. So what can you teach that, that pertains to your community <clears throat> that would help them understand how to sort of get scrappy and find other things to do? Are you a writer? Are you a blogger? Are you uh, a chef? Are you a poet? You know, are you a weaver? What else could you do so that you can keep teaching yoga, but also support your, your family? And that's, that's the conversation I'm having. Mm, thank you. It's the reality. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no other way to shake that little, you know, cup. It's just what it is. So, you know, what else are you going to do? Lots of people are teaching other things. Lots of people are teaching you know, even even uh, householding stuff, parenting stuff. Um, these are all things that people, technically people have been coming to you. If you're teaching yoga, people have been coming to you for other things for years. So mm -hmm. what are those other things that you get yeah. frequently asked about? And, and how can you tap into what you know to um, offer that in a cogent way for your community? And that's I all I that. ever do. Yeah, the creativity and the wittiness and... It, it does remind me a bit of um, how I've been weaving of, you know, there's certain messages around mental health about my own struggles that I've been pouring into jewelry and into inscriptions of pendants. And at this point, that pays for my own family and for many other families. And That's right. my big passion lies in, in mental health and really sending out messages that people need to know and hear. And even with this podcast, I've just been weaving these things in that I'm ex extremely passionate about and feel they need to be in the world. But yeah, being these little mavericks of, of listening to our hearts and surviving in the world still. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel very connected to that whole mission. And um, I started last year, this past year in 2022, late 2021, I started a mentorship program. And my hope is, and I know this is a little crazy, but my hope is that this program um, actually inspires a lot of other teachers and healers uh, to break out and basically do what I'm doing. I have no fear of more of what I've offered in that program because it's awesome. And every month I spend five, six hours on the one live gathering that we have. And it is juicy every single month, super juicy on different topics. And <clears throat> I think that people who are in that program are already starting to, I mean, have been all year making shifts, getting a, a bunch more um, experience under their belt, sharing what they know and being brave enough to start their own thing online, you know, mm -hmm. and you start small. We start with a few people and then we grow a little bit at a time. This is not a massive program by any means. It's not a massive uh, source of income, but it is a source. It's one. And it inspires me. Like I am super excited. It's right now, what, July, I don't know, 13 or so, 12, 13. And I'm, I can't wait. Tonight is my night to, to design the August live gathering hmm. to start. You know, it's so nice. PDF. I just, I give people content so that they can go off and do 
have content for their teaching, have content for their own virtual offerings. And I think the more of us who do that well, the more inspiration there is, the more the sweetness of the monetary exchange happens. And, you know, there you have a bunch more moms and dads going off to their families with a little more consciousness, uh, you know, being a little kinder to themselves, to their own family, their own parents or siblings. That's kind of all we can ask for right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He spoke to the creativity, like um, having been there already. And then in my own understanding, that that deeply resonates because when I when I tune in, there's just something that is always there. And I'd love to speak a little bit about your connection to the universe, consciousness, spirit, whatever phrase feels as yours, um, and how we can strengthen and enhance that connection through the body, through the heart, through the mind. Mm, thank you. Well started out a long time ago. Uh, my first yoga teacher training that I took as a student was a Tibetan Buddhist-centric training with Cindy Lee. And I was always, I was in my late 20s, and I was always like, ah, you know, this isn't really my thing. But it's a great training for vinyasa yoga, the Tibetan Buddhist part, not so much. Like, I, I took it in, but I wasn't, I was very resistant, you know. And I was just a kid. And what I have come to uh, on a very circuitous path through all the iterations of tantric philosophy and Sri Vidya philosophy and uh, really stellar schools of all kinds of traditions of yoga. What I finally landed at is way all the way back in the Buddhist realm, but the Soto school from Japan of Zen Buddhism. And that's where I have landed at 52. And I am very happy with my tiny little altar on the floor of my closet. And my, uh, from many, many years ago, I bet you were there, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh came to ABC the last time that he went there. And there was an invitation that was sent out on a very heavy cardstock. And it had one of his uh, hand-drawn Enzo circles on it. And... Uh, I have that framed in a very special frame. I, it sits on top of my little tiny altar in my closet with a couple of um, daily ceremony cards and a, a jar of incense and an incense holder. And that's where I sit in the morning. And my connection to, as you were asking, spirit, God, Buddha, whatever it is, uh, has to do with the stillness now. And just being in the stillness and drinking in the, the sort of vibration, I guess you would say, resonance of the stillness is the best thing for me at this point in my life. I don't think that's going to change as I get older. I think as I get older, this this relation that I have to this particular school and the teachings of Dogen Zenji and the koans, koan study, this is all very good for me. There's just enough sort of intellectual stimulation and just enough um, of a sort of demand to just sit. Shikantaza, as the word uh, says, just sitting. That's all. 
for me, that is like the, the, the ultimate recalibration every morning and most afternoons. Uh, I just sit and it really helps me, helps me to stay focused, helps me to deal when things get weird, helps me to remember that nothing anyone does in my direction is actually personal and helps me stay very close to myself in a, in a kind way. Yeah. Hmm, that stillness, it's such a, I'm fully with you. Like that's been my, my piece, especially these last few years. And as I tune in, have been tuning into the world, I've been feeling a lot of anxiety of the world. I feel that it's been a major challenge for a lot of people in particular in these past two years. So I'm curious about your teachings around the breath and maybe any other practices that could help regulate our nervous system, reduce anxiety, and any advice around mental health in general that you might have. Thank you for that. No no more important conversation than this one. <laughs> we, we could not have a more important conversation right now. I absolutely um, agree. Studying with Roshi Joan Halifax at the Upaya Zen Center here for the last two and a half years uh, actively and, and having an awareness of her and kind of a fondness and an admiration for her for the last 20 years since I was introduced to her work back during that first teacher training that I had with Cindy. Um, she teaches a training in cultivating compassion-centric interactions called GRACE, G-R-A-C-E. It just so happens that I have that tattooed on my wrist from many, many years ago for another reason. And um, it's an acronym. The G is for gathering your attention. We did it actually today. We do it most days that I teach my meditation Wednesdays on Instagram. If it's not the last Wednesday of the month and I'm teaching meditation, I'm usually teaching this. G is gather your attention. R is recall your intention, which is really that every sort of breath that you take gives you the ability to ease the pain and suffering of the world in some way. Um, A is attune to self and other. And this is, by the way, a course on Teachable that anyone can take, and it's awesome. Um, it helps us to just take a moment to feel into what is happening within myself right now. Like what is currently alive for me in my body? And then I can do that for somebody else. Like what, what might that other person be going through right now? Jesus, you know, the C is considering what will serve. So, and we went through this explicitly today, if you want to look back at it. Uh, in that meditation that you were watching earlier, Christina. Um, and the E is engage and end. So it has two parts really, you know, end the, end the sort of moment with yourself, but go and engage in the way that you figured out will serve or might serve for today. Um, what it does, and it kind of dovetails a little bit with some stoicism study that I do uh, almost every day also, it sort of dovetails with that because there's an there's a the carpe diem kind of seize the day go get it and every single day if i sit for a little while and i go through these you know g r a c e and i 
I cultivate compassion-based relations with myself and with other people, I really feel, I feel like, okay, I can do this today. I'm seizing this day for, for whatever the good that will come from this day, I'm ready for it. And I'm ready to, to, to put my share, to contribute my share into it of that goodness. That's kind of the best way that I know how. In terms of breathing, since you've asked specifically, I love alternate nostril breathing, Nadi Shodhana. Um, oftentimes, I'll just start my sitting with that. And many days, I start with either uh, three rounds of Wim Hof, or there's this other breathing practice that a couple of friends of mine gave me that's so good. And we listen to um, Anil's frame song. This is so weird. It's like a nine minute song called Says, S-A-Y-S. And you do 30 rounds of, you know, the circular breathing that Wim Hof sort of teaches. And then you hold it in as long as possible, long as possible, long as possible, let it out. Then do 60 breaths, hold it as long as possible. Then do 90 breaths, hold it as long as possible. And literally every single time, no matter how long or short I think I'm holding, the end of the uh, 90, I exhale, and it's exactly the end of the song. And I have to ask my friends what this is called, because many days <laughs> of the week I'll just do this, and it's so lovely. It's so sparkly mm. and helpful, cleansing, clearing. Mm. Um, it you know, like such a perfect practice to weave in. Um, yeah. Maybe you you just do that one. Yeah. It's so nice. And the music is nice and it's kind of mm -hmm. like helpful for the breathing and helpful to keep you going. And then anyway, it's, it's not traditional by any means. It's not codified anywhere, but it's really very helpful for me to reset my system. Um, because we're all seriously, uh, encountering suffering right now and it's not getting better before it gets worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is real. Yeah. At this moment in time, I'm going mm -hmm. to do my best to, you know, follow your lead and focus on mental health and help wherever I can to uh, center folks on compassion yeah. and self-empathy. Yeah, I have full body chills and it's just a, a deep cellular knowing. So I thank you for, for that. And I, I just know in my every cell. Which um, brings me to speaking a little bit about your sobriety and your journey around that, which you have shared quite openly on your own podcast. You even have interviewed Gabor Mate, who I've studied with for a number of years now and has deeply, deeply changed my life. Mm. And I would love it if you're open to sharing any elements around your sobriety that have helped you initially to make that life-changing shift? And also as you are years down the road, any advice, especially considering that the world does feel a little more intimidating and anybody that is struggling, I've, I've gone down a different route, I've recovered from eating disorders, at the end of the day, all these these um, symptoms they they're very similar. They're they're soothing techniques, in my understanding. That's like my deep understanding of these adaptations of somehow 
making it through the world. And as the world is feeling a little less safe, what mm. are any advice, insights you can give around anyone struggling or having struggled in the past with addiction? Thank you for that question. Um, I feel the eating disorder is resonant for me. I definitely have struggled with that over the course of my life. Um, that is just an attempt to put order where things feel chaotic and out of my control. So I really hear you on that. And um, thank you for sharing that. With regards to what I was doing, my, my uh, addiction was marijuana. So comforting to me. I can't even um, begin to tell you how that used to feel. Uh, it would give me like this full body wash of, uh, and we're back. And when I look at that, what I recognize is I, what, what that means is I'm back with myself. And what that means is if I have the capacity to feel this way, when I take in a substance that just reroutes my brain a little bit. Can I just do this on my own? And that's what meditation is for me now. And we're back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're back. It's so nice. It's we're back. And I really respect um I have so many friends and, and relations who love to smoke weed, but I don't feel the need to do that anymore. I feel very familiar with the feeling of letting that wash over me and coming back to myself. So that's been kind of my experience with recovery. And I don't really, it it was never really debilitating to me, but it was something that I really wanted to get at for myself without that. Mm -hmm. It was frustrating me that I needed something else. And now I don't. Um, I love that. And it, it reminds me of um, the conversation you had with Gabby Bernstein about the, the parts. Totally. That yes. I guess. And um, I know for myself, you know, the eating disorder part, yes, it was about control. My whole life, it, nothing felt safe. And so I was grasping onto that. And now that I've made peace with that part, it's a wonderful part that can put things in order and, and can get things done and show up on time. And whenever that voice wants to go a little bit overboard and become destructive, I'm like, okay, what's going on? What do you need right now? But just that understanding and not just writing something off completely as bad and destructive, but but being close enough to self, being being home enough to recognize those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's nice to talk about that. Mm-hmm. With Sensitive Matters, we're in the super early beginning of our podcast journey. And yes, we're just kind of diving into these topics that others might not be talking about as much. You are over into over 130 episodes with your podcast practice. You You showcased some incredible spiritual teachers of our time, including mm. Dr. Gabo Mate, who I mentioned already, Young Pueblo, Latham Thomas, and Nadine McNeil, who's actually one of our dear friends in Bali. The best. 
I know we love her. <laughs> I'm curious, what's the most joyful aspect of sharing that wisdom and also your your core intention for creating and continuing your podcast practice you? You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm right at that sort of point where I'm starting to take on sponsors of the podcast, things that I really believe in, things that I use, things that I can talk about freely, naturally, without reading a script. And just before I decided to go forward in this way, it's been several years of just doing it to do it, which is awesome. I've enjoyed every second of the learnings that I've um, amassed here in these conversations, not just learning facts and inspiration from people I admire, but also learning how to like communicate well, learning how to stop talking when I need to be listening. And uh, there are so many subtleties to doing doing it well. You're doing a great job, by the way. Hmm, um, mm -hmm. What I would say, this podcast is really about providing people with something to accompany you if you're listening the practice you podcast it's it's to accompany you on your way that's all i want everybody has some sort of you know story of transition which is the general organizing principle of the podcast how do you practice being yourself how do you get better at being yourself um but for the most part, it really is just a, a conversation between two people who are relatively familiar with one another and with themselves to accompany you on your way. Mm. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. You and I have known each other for many years, and mm. you've been such a wonderful supporter of Ananda Soul Jewelry. I was wondering if you're open to sharing a bit just what the... What are jewelry creations evoke for you? You know what's really cool? I'm wearing my new necklace right now. <laughs> Every other piece that I've ever had, and this is true for all any company that sends me stuff, I'll wear it for like a year or two and then I'll give it away. This one is never being given away. Um, this is the one that says blessings all around on the back with mm -hmm. Lakshmi on the front. Lakshmi. Lakshmi. Mm -hmm. um, what could I say? I mean... Well, first of all, your work is exquisite. And when I look at you from the moment I laid eyes on you in class to now on Instagram, because we're so far away, um, I always feel a sense of sisterhood and connection and intentionality when I see your face. Mm -hmm. And it comes through in your work. What I love the most about the the efforts that you or anyone else make toward uh, creating a sustainable uh, revenue stream for yourself and for others is that fact. Uh, you're doing this not just for yourself, but for other people, many other families with whom you work there in Bali. And I have so much respect for that. Anytime I'm supporting someone with my dollars, it's going to someone who is not just making something for a profit, making something for somebody else that they should benefit as well from the effort that they're making. That means a lot to me. And I've chosen all my businesses that I've chosen have to do with that. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you for your words. Mm. <laughs> Feeling mm. hugged from afar. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I feel the same way. There's been this this draw and this like yeah, beautiful sisterly ease that I've that I've always felt. <clears throat> and when it when it comes to creations, yeah, that just the sustainability, the caring. Yep. Like that's the number one factor for me. We all and need to care. We need to care deeply about the people who are helping us. And then the other part is I'm holding my little Lakshmi charm in my hands right now. It's outside of my dress, which usually it's tucked inside. Um, the work is meticulous. You know, I go through a lot of jewelry, as I said, and there are certain pieces that I'm never giving away. And this is one of them because, you know, somebody did this mm-hmm. with yeah. their hands. You yeah. can feel it. It's super precise. Mm-hmm. The sizes of the little quartz stones on this piece. What is this piece called? Blessings all around. It is called that. Yeah. So the size of the quartz stones, the pink tourmalines. I can barely contain my excitement about this piece. I love it so. And I mm. haven't taken it off since it arrived. And even in the way that you uh, package everything, the pouch in which the box is held, the affirmations on that pouch, the way that the jewelry is wrapped by hand. And somebody was really paying attention to how the fold of the paper is even on both sides. Like this is no joke. And you've stuck with this for how many years is Ananda Soul? 13, 14 years now. Yeah. You've stuck with this. I've known you the whole time and I've never, there were times where, where like anyone else would have just been like, you know what? <laughs> I, I got to call it in. Like, this is enough. I've I've done it. I tried. You didn't. And now peop other people are are truly connecting with what you're doing because the intention is clear in these mm-hmm. pieces. Um, Thank you. There were definitely yeah. moments I thought it was going crazy, but <laughs> I'm sure. In any business, that's a really good sign. Because then yeah. you have to choose. Are you gonna exactly. stick with it or are you gonna you're going to let go of it. But yeah, I plan on getting more pieces and I I I love having your sweet face in my consciousness mm-hmm. when I put these pieces on too. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Thank you're you. such a special uh you you you're one of the elves. I feel like oh, you're, yeah. you're one Thank of the fairies. Thank you for seeing me. My my <laughs> yeah, you're one of the fairies. My very close ones. They I mean, my partner knows I'm a fairy and it's straight up. Yep. <laughs> straight up. The short hair too really does it. And um, recently I became aware of the duendes, which are basically like the fairies uh, in certain traditions. And um, I bought a little door for one of my trees near mm. my house. I'm totally putting a door on one of my trees and I'm saying welcome <laughs> to the fairies. And oh, we I'm need to see what happens. We need them. Mm-hmm. We need them. It's no joke. So, yeah, you inspire a lot. Thank you. You share quite a bit about doTERRA oils and how you use essential oils for wellness and in your life in general. And I, in my own life, use them. They've been a lifesaver for my belly on flights and, and just daily use. And I'd love it if you could share for anyone who's not familiar with essential oils, um, and maybe the prospect could feel intimidating of what would I even do with them, how people could incorporate incorporate the oils within their daily lives, 
And I'm also curious, how, what are your little practices, your like go-tos that you stick to every day? Hmm. Thank you for that. This is, um, this is a, uh, a business that means a lot to me. I chose it very carefully about 10, 12 years ago, because I knew, um, per the beginning of this chat, that there was no way the yoga was going to support my family and me. And at the time I was a single mom and I really wanted to make it on my own. doTERRA is simply the finest quality that we can get at scale. They're our mission is to make sure, similar to what you do, is to make sure that the, all of the smallholder farmers with whom we work are cared for, are paid on time and super fairly, and that the plant compounds that we harvest and distill are of the highest quality, scientific quality. So tested like crazy. I use the oils for pretty much everything. There's very little that I do in terms of Western um, medicine now. Uh, I definitely respect deeply Western medicine. I got five more years with my mom because of it. But I use the oils for everything from skin to uh, joint health, bone health, respiratory health, digestive health. These plant compounds have been around far many more thousands of years than we have, if, if you're listening to this right now. And to learn them, take your time to learn them and to respect them, is to create a relationship with the earth that we are not taught as children, unless we're like, you know, Waldorf kids our whole lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I so wish. this, I, I wish. And so this relationship that we create when we use the plant compounds is super nurturing to us. You know, when I apply geranium, frankincense, rose, Roman chamomile to my skin, I apply the um, combination of wintergreen and camphor and marjoram in the form of a blend called deep blue to my joints. You know, I take the supplements, which are some of them essential oil based and just of the highest quality I'm feeling better at 52 than I felt when I was 30, far better. So I know that the oils work. I'm very passionate about it because the business model also works. And I have, you know, hundreds of friends now, families on my team who have emerged from pretty dire circumstances and, and really changed their, their financial state and their emotional state, and their mental health with the oils. And so, you know, I, I, I get many detractors on this topic. I just don't care. I've been here for over a decade. I know that it works. I know the business model works. And when people say, you know, it's, it's impossible to earn money this way, for you it might be. But for the people that I've guided and who've taken it on for themselves because it means something to them, especially the people who've linked their business to a cause and are consistently tithing. Um, for those people, I've seen them just flourish here. And it's not for everyone, but it definitely, definitely has played a role in my health in many different ways uh, since I began those 10, 12 years ago. 
Thank you. Yeah. I'd like to conclude with the same intention that we began our conversation with. As we're moving into the second part of 2022 and beyond, where is your attention, your focus going? You already mentioned a few of the creations that are coming through and I just love it if you could share again where can people find you, your work, and yeah, what's coming down the mm. pipeline. Yeah. Let's see. More of the same. Thank you so much for asking. More creativity, uh, more painting, more poems, and more space and time to be creative. My intent earlier this year was to have a monthly art class that would be free and just you know, have a different topic each month. Um, I will pick that up again, but I just had to let go of a lot of different small things so that I could finish these two book projects. Um, the parenting course I think is going to play a big role in the second half of 2022, as is, uh, relaunching Simplify, which as an audio course, well, hybrid audio video, I just want to give people stuff for their ears and not so much for their eyes. It's enough with the laptops, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Lots of creativity, focus on parenting, focus on simplifying and, um, you know, really just supporting people like you are with their mental health, their emotional health, their physical health as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that. I love the parenting piece and, um, and I love that. It's so good. I'm so, just, I'm so proud of it. I bet. Oh my You're God. such an inspiring mom. So yes. not always do that. <laughs> not always. I've made plenty of mistakes in my well, life and my kid, my kid can probably articulate them much better than I, but we have come such a long way and I have come such a long way in, in, uh, in that, in that sphere. And he, 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 yeah, he could also share that too. Yeah. I'm sure. But that's the piece of you. Whenever I'm, I watch you and we communicate, there's just this, fully showing up and yes admitting if maybe there was a mistake but just that yes i'm here and the that that level of connection and self-awareness so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thank you so 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 much (sighs) thank Thank you so 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 much i was just thinking i would leave you with um some piece of one of the new projects Mm -hmm, let's do this so the you know practice you and being you the journals Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a third one coming called Nurturing You. Um, and I'm right in the middle of writing the chapter intros. This one is super, super zen. Like the watercolors are very zen. The the spaces, there's fewer prompts. There's more sort of statements for you to take as your own and then, you know, sort it out. But this is a really good jumping off point, I think, for you. And maybe if we ever get together again, um, you get to choose between I serve or I trust. I trust. How would it feel to let your fear dissolve and fully trust the currents of wisdom coursing through your being as you learn to trust in the inherent emptiness of things? A sense of freedom emerges, an experience of relief. What if events and objects only hold the values we've ascribed to them? What if the words you've used to describe a certain person or event could be reconsidered, softened? How might that shift your narrative? 
How could tenderizing the story expand your trust in yourself and the contexts in which you live? With time and practice, we come to understand that form and formlessness are both present in every idea, relationship, and interaction. Mind gives shape to concepts. Practice and silence strip away those certainties. When you remember that life is fleeting and time is precious, your trust in formlessness evolves into a deep sense of peace within and around you. The prompts in this chapter welcome you to those silent moments, to the concepts that need to be relinquished, as well as that ineffable, barely describable peace that reveals itself to you. Hmm. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for letting me read it. I haven't read it out loud yet. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah, I have a few more to go, but that's the that's the intro for that chapter. And let's see how how we do. I have to hand it in the rest of them by like next week or something. So I have to get work, get cracking. <laughs> that's so exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. That's epic. Thank you, sister. Yeah. Thank you. We're doing Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. If you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have a chance, please rate and review if you're listening via Apple Podcast, as it really helps more people discover the show to listen to these incredible conversations. This podcast is brought to you from Bali and made possible by my ethical jewelry company, Ananda Soul. You can check out our website and all of our ethically handmade jewelry at anandasoul.com. You'll also receive a $15 gift card on your first purchase when you subscribe to our newsletter, so make sure not to miss out on that as well. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to sharing more of Sensitive Matters with you. Thank you.